Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> How's everyone doing this morning? We are in uh, Ephesians. We started this study in Ephesians. Um, it's good to see everyone in the room today. We started this in Ephesians, and last week we uh, we're just in this book and just really diving in into to what all Paul has been saying in the in the book of Ephesians. And so, before we get started, I just want to pray and and lift up the word and Holy Spirit. We just thank you for all that you are, all that you continue to be. Fill me up, Holy Spirit. Make me new in you. Let this word be enriching for the church and for our souls, Lord God. Let it be seed on, on soft and fertile soil. Fill me up, Holy Spirit. Lord God, we just thank you for all that you are and all that you continue to be in our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everyone says, amen. Amen, amen. We started this teaching in Ephesians, um, and we called this series Family Declaration. Uh, and we say that a declaration is a formal statement and document embodying and displaying an announcement or proclamation. And that is what Paul is making in the book of Ephesians for all of us as believers. And we said last week that Paul wrote in chapters 1 to 3, it was the revelation of the doctrine. And in and, and 4 to 6, we see a development of practice. And Paul is telling the church in, in Ephesus, he says, what you believe will determine how you behave, right? If you believe that the lottery is going to set you free and get rid of all your worries, your behaviors are going to be, I'm buying scratch-offs until that happened, right? People who bought scratch-off when it was like billions of dollars, right? I remember, I remember. Everyone was like, you buying tickets? And so if your hope is in those things, your behavior will reflect those things. And so I know last week we stopped at verse 16 because it was so dense. Did everyone get, get something out of last week? Amen? Amen, amen. Uh, we're going to start in chapter 4, verse 17. And this is Paul. Now, the, he starts off the chapter a little bit differently, but he does make transitions in the chapter in, at, at verse between 17 and 32 that we're going to talk about. And so let's start. It says... So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. From the beginning, Paul is highlighting that, hey, as newly formed Christians, that you taking on the, taking on the title of a Christian or becoming Christ followers, it is a revolutionary life change, right? It's, it's, it's literally, hey, this is one thought and one mind, and he's saying to come away from that, don't think as the Gentiles do, don't live in that way anymore, but think in a full mind as a Christian. You're no longer slaves to your old life, but you've been made new in Christ. How many of us, right, we, when we got saved, we were like, amen, I'm on fire for Jesus. But then we found that there were old habits in us that wanted to live. And Paul is saying, hey, do away with all that. And I know in this verse it's a little confusing. He says, don't, don't, um, <clears throat> no longer live as the Gentiles do. He's not talking to the Gentile believers. He's not talking to the Gentile believers in this. He's talking about the Gentile way of life. Don't believe what they believe. You are no longer a Gentile in your right because when you guys came to Christ and you came to Jesus, it stripped away all those Gentile life, uh, lifestyles and you became a new person in Christ Jesus. All that stuff is gone. Don't live as the Gentiles do, but live as new, as new, a new person in Christ Jesus. And for some of us, it's like, don't live like your family lived. You've been created new. 
live new in Christ Jesus. It says futility, and futility can be vanity of their thinking, and it means don't, don't live in their moral depravity. Don't live with that, moral depra- that morally depraved mindset, but live as new beings in Christ Jesus. And we know that's not easy, right? Can I get a witness? It's not easy to not live in your flesh because that's what your flesh wants. That's what you're used to. It's your nature. And so he says, he says do not walk. And we said last week that walk means, is it equ- anytime you see walk in the Bible, it's equivalent to lifestyle. God has called you to righteousness, and that's what Paul is telling the church in Ephesus. Listen, don't be confused. Don't claim Jesus. Don't claim Christianity. Don't be full of the Spirit and then try to live in your old habits. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's two things pulling at two separate directions. It's so, listen, the world we live in today, there's a lot of us Christians who are living in, with a foot in both camps. I want to be relevant, I want to be cool, I, want, I like these things like the world, but I also want the blessings of Jesus. Anyone, right? I've been there. It's like, but I like what the world does, it feels comfortable, it feels good, so what if I want to party down? So what, stop judging me? I know Sunday's for Jesus and I go to church. We begin to justify our sinful nature. Well, it's not really that bad. It's a little white lie. Like, I I lied to help them out. Anyone ever do that before? I have. I lied to help them out. You know, it's not that big a deal. I'll just give it to God. And Paul's saying, no, if you're living with both feet on either side, you're living a lifestyle where both feet end up in hell. He's like, don't do that. Draw the line in your life. Like the Bible says, do not be, what does it say? Don't choose whether you're going to be cold or hot. Do not be lukewarm. He says, God, God spits that stuff out. He's like, don't think like the Gentiles used to think. Don't think of your old ways. He's like, but set yourself apart. You guys are different. I'm not trying to come at you guys as a church, but all of us need accountability. Amen. All of us need someone in our lives to say, hey, you're looking like the world a little bit. And that's okay. And we need to welcome that as believers. Welcome the accountability. Do you know what it would look like if we were pro-accountability? We'd have less pastors and scandals. We'd have less church people sleeping around. We'd have people not, not living with integrity. It would look different if we, if we said, no, call me, hold me accountable. I invite it. Because accountability never looks like accountability in the moment. Because we always be like, why are you coming at me for? Did you not ask me to hold you accountable? I know it sounds like I'm coming at you, but I'm not. I, in my life, I invite friends to hold me accountable. I have them message me, hey, what you looking at? You don't got no time? Oh yeah? Let me see the screen time on your phone. You're busy all the time? Let me see the screen time. Let me see what you're spending your time in. Nothing holds you accountability like your iPhone now, huh? (laughs) When you get that weekly update of like how much time you spent on your phone, you're like, dang. When people are like, I'm busy. Let me see your screen time. Oh, you spent eight hours a day on your phone, huh? You ain't that busy. That phone, ugh. Behold me accountable. Sometimes I get that report and I'm like, this is the devil. But it's not. I'm just not ready for it. So we go to verse, verses 18 and 19. It says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. Paul gives four reasons why the unsaved mind is in the condition that it's in. Four. And I want you to write these down. Their understanding is faulty. 
These are four reasons why the unsaved mind is in the condition that is in. The mind that doesn't know Jesus, the mind that isn't being renewed day by day, the mind that is not challenged and moved by the Holy Spirit. He's saying, first of all, their understanding is faulty. Now the word, the root word in understanding means to exercise the mind, exercise in mind to comprehend. In Romans, we know in Romans 12, it says, renew your mind. That is exercising your mind. To exercise your mind, that means you have to take your mind to the gym. Last week, we said that the church is not a hospital, it's a gym. I'm here to coach you guys on as you're on your treadmill, and I'm on my treadmill, to say, run the race that is marked before you. And run your race at your pace. Stop looking at the person next to you. Run your race at your pace. Some of y'all are trying to keep up with the person next to you when God is just like, no, 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 just focus on what's in front of you. Run your race at your pace. The church is not a hospital, it's a gym. The hardest thing about the diet isn't necessarily what you eat, it's what you think of what you're eating. Right? It's, it's, y'all know, dieting is all... (laughs) It's like 90 to 100% mental. It's like, I really, really want this taco, but I haven't seen a green thing in two weeks. I haven't put a green salad near my mouth in weeks. We know it's a mental thing. And Paul is saying the reason why the unsaved or unbeliever doesn't doesn't understand you is because they don't renew their mind. They keep their mind in the same junk There's no renewal because the only spirit that can renew your mind is the Holy Spirit. Yes, there are other spirits out there, but they're not renewing your mind. They're distracting you. Why do you think there's a thing called happy hour? It doesn't renew your mind. Why do you think alcohol is called spirits? It's a spirit during happy hour that can distract your mind from one hour. If I can get, if I can drink enough alcohol, maybe I could take my mind off of the stresses of life. But yet the spirit says, you don't have to drink alcohol. I can renew your mind in sometimes even less than an hour. If you would just focus on me and meditate on me and meditate on my word, you don't have to just have a happy hour. You can have a happy week. And this is not no fake happy. This is joy unspeakable happy. That's why the world doesn't understand you. The word, their understanding is faulty. This is why people may not understand your calling. They're not going to understand that God called you to Africa to go evangelize. They're not going to understand why you're in Memphis. They're not going to understand why God moves you. They don't understand the movings of the Spirit because their mind is steeped in the flesh. They don't understand, why do you tithe to your church? You get money? Every paycheck? Why? You know what you could do with that money? And you just say, but do you know what God can do with obedience? I know what I could do with this money, but have you seen my God, how he works when I'm obedient? They don't get it. They don't get it. It doesn't make sense to them. Why do you serve? Why are you serving at the church every Sunday? You give up your mornings? Yes. To serve the church? Yes. You know you could be sleeping? Yes. You know sleeping's attributed to death? It is. So people don't get that. Why do you serve in the church every Sunday? And you could just tell them, listen, because I know this earth ain't home and what I'm building in heaven is so much more than my sleep right now because there's a soul in the balance that's hanging in the balance that needs me to show up to not only speak the gospel, but show them the gospel. They need me to be at church to not only give them a pamphlet, but to hug on them and let them know that they're cared for and they're loved. That's the reason why I serve the church because I don't care what happens to their body on earth necessarily, but I care about where their soul ends up that's why I serve my church and to the world that doesn't they don't it doesn't make sense to them they don't get that so you you mean you willingly volunteer for free week after week and like for what and you could just say because someone volunteered for me week after week so that I could find Jesus 
So no, you're not necessarily paying it forward. You're paying it holy. You're paying it righteous. You're paying it true. All these volunteers don't show up every week because it's something to pay it forward. No, no, no. That's not why they do that. They show up every week because this is where God called them. And they say, I'm going to walk in my calling because I believe in when I do these things that it just honors God. I serve the local church not out of, of compulsion, but of compassion. Well, well, listen, we're, we're all going to go out and, you know, we're going to gossip a little bit because we don't ever call it gossip. We, nowadays, we make it sound pretty like, oh, we're going to learn how to pray for someone. No, it's gossip. It's gossip. Well, why don't you, how come you never hang out and talk to us about like, you know, I know someone here gets on your nerves. Well, I just don't want to gossip, brother. I just feel like if I need to tell someone something, I'm going to tell them to their face. Amen. It's just honoring. Under, see, the world's understanding is faulty. They, they don't, like, the world doesn't understand why Christians move the way we move. And, and, and the, Jesus spoke about that. He's like, they're not going to get it. There are some of you guys who are called to things that I would never, in my flesh, I'll never understand. But then you, you'll be like, I don't know why God called me to California or called me to Hawaii to suffer for the gospel. No, God called me to here, and I just want to share the gospel with them. Or I just feel like this pressed on me to start this business to, to be a place where youth can come. And yes, they're going to learn about dance or the arts, or they're going to learn about these things. But I started this really because I wanted to share the gospel with them in my life. And then the, this, is, this is what the carnal mind will say. But you don't got no money. No one cares. But those filled of the Spirit be like, listen, I don't know where the Holy Spirit's taking you, but I'm going to pray for you. I want to see you work in your calling. Number two, their understanding is darkened. Their understanding is darkened. So we have the understanding is faulty. Their understanding is darkened. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says the God of this age, if we're going to use another word, it's called zeitgeist. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The God of this age, the, the zeitgeist, the spirit of this age has blinded the mind of the unbelievers. That's why, listen, there are times, family, I'm going to speak to y'all, those who are online and the family, you don't have to beat no one over the head with the Bible. You don't. Let me set you free from that. You don't got to beat no one over the head with the Bible. Because the God of this age is going to keep them in a certain mindset. And it's not your job to hit them over the head with the Bible. It's your job to love them and live by example and show them the spirit of God that dwells within you. They can deny the Bible all they want. You can deny the Bible all they want, but I'm going to tell you this, when you start loving your enemy, it's really going to throw them for a loop. Why, why, do you, why are you serving me? You, you, know, you know I don't like you. Why? Why, do you care? why are you praying over me? Why do you care about me? Because the spirit in me, I know you can't get it. Because you, your mind is in darkness. You just think just because I'm my enemy, I want to see you dead. That's in darkness. Let me bring you to the light. I know you may not like me, but the spirit in me has placed me at this job to pray specifically for you. Amen. Their mind is darkened because of the God of this age. You want to know where the God of this age is? Go on social media. That's the God of this age. We live in highlight reels. That's the God of this age. We live where someone can post something encouraging and yet tear someone down in the comment section. That's the God of this age. The God of this age says if they don't agree with you, they're your enemy. But yet the Bible says love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, are there people who are difficult to love? Absolutely. Who are you kidding? There are some people who are, you, they're difficult to love. We're just like, brother, I, I want to just 
punch you in the throat in the name of Jesus and, and hug you right afterwards, right? We know those people where you just see them and they're in their comment section sometimes typing away, they're writing all reckless and you're like, I love you, but if I saw your computer, I'd break it on purpose. They're just hard to love. They're blind. The God of this age has blinded them. They can't see the, the, the light of the gospel. That's why anytime you go to speak to them about the Bible, they're like, I don't want to hear all this Jesus stuff. And then if you want to unpack trauma and all the things that they went through, there's so much more behind that. But the God of this age has darkened their understanding. They won't let them see the light of the gospel. Number three, they're alienated from God through their ignorance. The word alienated, if you look at the word, it means to be cut off, separated, detached. They've chosen ignorance. They want to be detached from God. Here's what I don't understand. Like, listen, if you're an atheist and you're watching this, I'm not coming at you, but here's my question for you. If you don't believe in God so much, why are you so steady on, on trying to fight that he doesn't exist? Why? Why spend your time? I believe that there's something in you that's like, no, 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 that won't let you rest. But alienated, they're alienated from God. It says to be cut off, to be separated, to be detached. And Jesus spoke of this as John 15. What does, he, what does he say? He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that so that it'll be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I have remained in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We got a, there's a world full of people who believe that they're bearing fruit because they think a mark of success is by how many commas they have in the bank account. And Jesus says, if you remain in me, if you stay close to me, you will bear much fruit. But those, they want to be alienated from God. They want to be detached from God because they're like, I could do this all by myself. And guess what? On this earth, you can do it all by yourself. You can make it all the way you want. But listen, I'm telling you, my Bible doesn't end with, with earth and heaven being separate. It ends with heaven and earth coming back together. So yes, you can do all you can in your own strength on this earth. But what are you going to do when you stand before the Creator? Can your efforts do all they can when you stand before the king of kings? Because my word says that I don't have to break my back to be something. That when, I, when I'm full of the spirit, I'm full of Jesus, he marks me into heaven already. So yes, I will do everything I can by the spirit, but I don't got to worry about my soul because my soul is already secured. That's why I can sleep at night. There are CEOs and presidents and people in charge of large corporations who have way more money than me. Right? They got way more money than me. But I can sleep at night because I know where my soul resides, so I have way more peace than them. And if I could just share that peace with them, I'd say, hmm. Number four, the, the, there's blindness of their heart. There's blindness of their heart. It says in Luke 8.10, Luke 8.10, it says, To you who have been chosen, it has been granted to you to know and to recognize the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, it is just parables. So that seeing, they may not see, and hearing, they may not understand. It is not you you coming to church every week doesn't necessarily make you a better Christian. We know this, right? It's good. I'm not knocking it because you're not supposed to forsake the gathering of the church. That's what the Bible says. Do not forsake that. But you coming to church every week doesn't make you a better Christian. Just, just like if I were to park my RAV4 in a garage, it doesn't make it a Corvette. Imagine if I could, though. Ah. 
Jesus, we see in Scripture, Jesus spoke and preached the gospel publicly for three years. And for three years, there were Pharisees who were blinded at the heart. They might have not been blinded physically, but their heart was blinded. Because Jesus spoke parables. And he said it, though they see, they do not see. Though they hear, they do not comprehend. The reason why the unbeliever is blinded at the heart is because the Spirit has not given them vision. And so they walk around in ignorance and blindness. That's why there's some people who are like, your situation could never change. They don't speak from a place of trying to tear you down, but they don't got the Spirit in them. So they're blinded to the realities of heaven. They're blinded to those realities. That's why some of us, and, I've, and I know some of you guys personally, and we've talked about it, like you guys will go through a hard situation, but some of you guys have so much joy in you that you're not letting it impact your current reality because the spirit, the eyes of your heart have been awakened to the heavenly things, and you're like, oh no, this ain't gonna tear me down. Mm -mm. Here's a spiritual attack. That's why the Holy Spirit comes and he, he wants us to see these things. His desire is that for us to see these things. This is why we are not blind in spirit, but we walk in truth because there are some things that happen in our life where they're like, how did this, this is spiritual. Because you start looking at it and you're like, Holy Spirit, show me the devil. Some of you guys start looking at a person like, that's her right there. No, I'm just kidding. They're blinded. That's why some people are struggling with hope. They can't see hope. If you can't see Jesus, you can't see hope. You want to know why? Hope's, name, real, hope's real name is Jesus. Love's real name is Jesus. Joy's real name is Jesus. It's all wrapped up in him. That's why people are struggling with suicide and depression because they didn't know when this pandemic would end or they didn't know when things would get back to normal. And some of us Christians, like, we, we weathered through this storm, but we were able to pray through it and talk to people about it and go to God in it because we know if I could just call on the name of Jesus, he's going to bring me through. But are we sharing Jesus with those who don't even know to call his name? It says in verse 19, it says, having lost all sensitivity, they gave themselves over to sensuality as if to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. Do you guys know that corrupt thoughts produce corrupt behavior, right? Corrupt thoughts produce corrupt behavior. Corrupt behavior produces a corrupt lifestyle. It all flows, it all flows. How, what you think about, what you think about, and I'm not saying this is like a self-help, but the Bible says that when you fix your mind on things that are holy and true, and you focus on those things, out of good behavior, out of um, good thoughts come good habits, good behavior. Good behavior now comes a good, a better lifestyle. And I'm not saying that it, this is like self-help kind of stuff, but when you are full of the Spirit, you can only think of the things that the, you only want to think about and be about the things the Spirit is thinking and being about. You only want to behave in ways that are, are pleasing to the Spirit. And when you only want to do those things, you start creating good behaviors, and then your lifestyle of worship isn't just refined to two hours on Sunday, but becomes a daily thing because you want to honor the Spirit in all that you do, in all that you think, in all that you say. You know, iniquity can be, is found in each and every one of us. Iniquity is the thought of sin before the action of it. 
That's why if you look at Ezekiel 28, it says that when Lucifer was in heaven, that God found iniquity in his heart before he found him sinning. He said that evil was in his heart, that iniquity was in his heart. As the man thinks, the man follows. Who, what you think you are is become what you say you are now becomes the lifestyle you live. But this is beautiful because this is where Paul pivots, all right? So I didn't want to be like, I know so I lost some of y'all. Some of y'all are like, oh gosh, pastor. <laughs> Would you just, why? You know, I messed up. I messed up too. I messed up too. We're all messed up. But this is where the glory of God shines through because we don't have to live in that mess up. Some of y'all, y'all been living in the mess of you did three years ago. Let it go. Let it go. Some of y'all have been living with this mindset that because you failed, like God can't use you. Let that go. That's so wicked and corrupt. That's the enemy. He wants to hold you back. Because you know what it looks like when someone is set free? Y'all ever heard that song? I'm going to throw up an old name. I know in the chat, I know I got Ron Cannoli. This is what it feels to be free. No, this is what it means. I gave y'all some homework. Go listen to Ron Cannoli. Go get saved. This is where it pivots. Paul goes from depravity to delight. You guys ready? It says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He says right here. See, when I read that, the imagery I get is that some of us want to put on clean clothes on top of dirty clothes. Some of us want to put on clean, some of us want to put on a clean shirt, a clean sweater. We want to put on a clean top, but yet we're like, I still want to wear my dirty shirt underneath that. Or like, it's just like, here are these brand new pants. Here are these brand, here's this brand new apparel. And yet it's just like, cool. Thanks for the apparel, Jesus. Thanks for making me brand new. Thanks for washing my, this garment white as snow. And we're just like, okay, let me put this brand new clean garment on top. And Jesus is like, hey, you going to take off the old stuff? Nah, I want to keep that on. And God is like, it doesn't work like that. Matthew 11 28 says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's the duality of human nature is that we want to keep our sinful nature, but we just want to put on the, the holy garments of Jesus when it's right, at the right time. And Jesus is like, no, 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 like, it doesn't work like that. Like, you got to take the old stuff off. And put, on, and put on the new stuff. It can't work with you keeping the old stuff on and then trying to put holiness on top of it. It's not going to work because all you're going to have is, is, is lukewarm behaviors coming out of you. It's kind of holy. It's kind of good. And he's like, no, take off the old stuff. There are four ingredients to Christian living, right? So write these four down. The number one, is salvation. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened. Come to me. If you're weary and you're burdened, come to me. That is the point of salvation. You've been carrying this weight for far too long. Come to me. You've been dealing with this mindset for far too long. Come to me. You've identified with this title that someone threw on, you, threw on you that you didn't even ask for. Come to me. You feel like no one loves you. You feel a sense of loneliness. Come to me. 
You feel a sense of, of inadequacy because you haven't been promoted at a certain job or you haven't been looked upon as favorable. Come to me. And I'm going to give you rest. Number two is service. There's salvation and then there's service. What does he say? Take my yoke upon you. I used to think that was an egg yolk. I didn't know what a yolk meant. I was like, why, why, why do you want me, you want me to cook eggs or something? No. It's not talking about the protein. A yolk was a bar that, would, that they would put onto two animals. Sometimes they were heavy, and they'd put that bar on them, and then those animals would pull. You ever seen, I don't know how old, like these old shows that they put it on a horse or they put it on a cow, they put a yoke on them, and then it would pull that thing like a horse in a carriage. They got to put a yoke on them. And he says, take, and is it, look at the duality. Look at the, look, take my yoke upon you. Because what we know as a yoke is heavy and it's cumbersome. And then we got to move it forward. He says, take my yoke upon you. Put my yoke, put, let me put the Holy Spirit in you. Put my yoke on you. Because it's, it, it's not as heavy as you think it is. Take my yoke upon you. So right there, we see that there's a service. But yet, we're so conditioned to think like, oh, this is, oh, this is heavy. Do you know what the, you don't want to know what the yoke is? The cross? Take my yoke upon you. Take my cross. Pick up your cross. Doesn't that say in scripture? Pick up your cross and follow me. See, but the thing is, is that to the carnal mind, when you hear that verse, when you hear those words of take my yoke upon you, we think, naturally, I got to carry this all by myself. I got to carry this all by myself. I got to do this on my own. No, 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 no. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Pick up your cross and follow me. Take up your yoke and follow me. But Jesus, I got to do this all by myself. And Jesus is like, I didn't carry my cross by myself. So guess what? You don't got to carry this yoke by yourself. You're going to be on one side. I'm going to be on one side. And we're going to carry this thing together. Because if I conquered the cross already, I'm going to help you conquer your cross. Are y'all with me in that? You're not called to just carry, like when it says take my yoke upon you, he's not putting it all on you. He's saying, hey, I've given you the Holy Spirit to fill you up so you're never carrying that yoke by yourself. Number so we have salvation, we have service, we have schooling, because what does he say? Take my yoke and learn from me. How do you learn from Jesus but by the Spirit? We talked about that last month. It says that the Spirit knows the deep things of God. It knows all the things of God. And if it could know all the things of God and that that Spirit now resides in you as a dwelling place, you have access to the mind of God because the Holy Spirit that is God now dwells in you. So if you want to learn from God, you have to learn what he wrote. You have to learn his scripture. He says, learn from me. That means Jesus is a teacher. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. He wants to teach you about himself. And some of us, we've had bad teachers in our lives. I remember my gym teacher in grammar school. He was horrible. Literally for gym, he'd roll out all the dodgeballs and lay on the stage and be like, all right, don't hurt each other. Terrible. No, he says, learn from me. You want to know more about me? Get the Holy Spirit in you. Are you, filled with the, are you filled with the Spirit? And then the last one is satisfaction. You will find rest. And he says, take my yoke upon and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That doesn't sound like a restful statement, though, right? Think about it. Come to me if you're weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Okay. 
And then he goes, all right, I'm going to take all the world's problems, but here, take my yoke upon you. Did you just take weight off me to put weight back on me? See, yeah, because the weight that you were carrying in your own life, you were just carrying it by yourself. See, when I died and resurrected, I washed away all of those burdens. I washed them away. I put them away. Now take my yoke upon you because I know it sounds heavy, but it's really light. And it's really light because I do most of the lifting anyways. You just got to be faithful to stay under it. Ooh, that'll preach. You got to be faithful to stay under that yoke. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. There's no question if you will find rest. He says, hey, if you put down all that other stuff, it's not a question if, it's just you will find rest. It's guaranteed to us. It's not something we have to barter or haggle for. This is not like a farmer's market. He says, you drop your stuff off, pick my stuff up because my stuff is lighter and it's more fulfilling and you're going to find some new depths in me. I will teach you if you want to learn from me. I will guide you into all truth. And then we're going to go into verse 22. Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self to be created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul challenges us. Verse 22, he wants us to put something off. Put it off. Take it off. Take off the old clothes. Take off the old way of thinking. Take off the old way of behaving. Do you know, I was just, Tasha and I were just talking about it. You know what phrase I hate the most that we say sometimes? That's just who they are. No, it's not. That's such a lazy uh, statement. Just, just, oh, that's just who they are. No, that is not who I am. The, the word tells me to put off the old self. That is not who I am. We need to get to a point where it's like, that's who I was. That's not who I'm called to be. I'm putting off the old way of thinking. I'm putting off my old behaviors. I'm putting off my old habits. I'm, I'm taking, he says, put them off. Because why? Because they are corrupted by its deceitful desires. That's why some of us, we want to put on holiness and yet not change. And God is like, no, 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 no. I put the spirit in you to change you from the inside so that when you put on this thing, this garment of holiness, what's inside is a reflection, what's outside is a reflection of what's working on the inside. But some of us, we don't want to put on our old self. We just want to make an adjustment to our old self and say, all right, Jesus, this is what you have to work with. He goes, no, baby, that's not how this works. You got to put to death your old self. You got to crucify all your natural and deceitful desires. Everything that you got from Adam and your, and your great grandma and your great grandpa and all of them, put it off. And you, I need you to put something on. Put off your old deceitful desires. Put them off. Get rid of them. And it's not to say you're doing it by yourself, but the spirit who dwells in you, you, you know when it's time to put something off. You know. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Don't lie. When the Holy Spirit goes, don't talk like that no more. Or when the Holy Spirit goes, why do you want to wear that? Mm. Or the Holy Spirit goes, you know that doesn't belong to you. Those are opportunities in which we have to put up our old self. For some of us, the Holy Spirit goes, pray over them. But I don't like them. I didn't ask you if you liked them. I said to pray over them. God, I really don't want to be here. I don't want to be at this place in my life. I know, but I never said that I would take you out of it. I said I'd be with you through it. See, it's only through it's only through sometimes in some seasons, only through the tough seasons do we put off our old, beha old behaviors and our old habits. Some of y'all didn't learn how to pray until you went through a traumatic experience. 
Some of us didn't know how to pray until we went through some hard storms. Some of us didn't read our word until God brought us to the well and, and we were like, I've got nothing else but you. Right? Some of y'all didn't even learn how to sail unless you went through the storm. But so many times we pray for God to take us out the storm and God is like, no, 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 don't pray. I'm not going to take you out the storm. That's not the purpose that I've allowed it. That's not the purpose why I've allowed this storm. The reason why I've allowed this storm is because there's something in you that needs to come off and the only thing that could take it out is this storm. The only thing that's going to take it out is if you go through the storm with me. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. Listen, I'm here asleep on the boat. This boat isn't going to capsize, but the only way you're going to bring attention to what's going on in you is if I allow this storm to happen. Don't pray to be taken out the storm. Pray that God takes off the old you in the storm because when you reach the other side, it's gonna look, you're going to look so different. Oh, you look like you got experience now. Right? How many of us, we've been through stormy times in our own life. We've been through life's hard trials, but yet on the other side, there was a new person that we didn't even recognize. There was a strength that was birthed in us because there was this old self trying to tell us, well, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. But we went through that storm and we're like, Jesus is with me. God, we're going to make it. I will wake up tomorrow and I will rejoice and be glad and I will have joy and I will pray for my spouse and I will pray for that promotion and I'm not going to be held back by my own mindset anymore, but I'm going to be set free. Thank you for allowing this storm to happen we don't thank him for the storm because we think we think that the storm is there to destroy us why do you think David never put on the armor of King Saul he said I don't know how to move in this this is not this is not it they gave him a sword and a spear. They gave him all this armor to go fight Goliath. David didn't put it on. Actually, he did put it on, and he took it right off. This is too uncomfortable. So the first thing we have is verse 22 says to take something off. You have to understand, and I want you guys to hear me when I say this. Your old nature, it cannot be tamed. It cannot be altered. It cannot be adjusted. It can only be crucified. Some of us want to adjust and alter our old ways and alter our sinful nature, and we want to, like, you know, tame it. If I could just tame this habit, or if I could just tame this addiction, if I could just tame it, it can live in me. If I could tame it, I'll be all right. And Jesus says, no, you have been crucified. Paul said in the word, you have been crucified with Christ. That means I put to death all of my old ways. I put them to death. They're on the cross. I don't tame it. I don't entertain it. I don't say, hey, you know what? I can't see you every day, so I'll just see you every Saturday. No, he says, crucify it. Put it to death. Some of y'all let a cat in and then you realize that cat was a lion. Oh, wow, I didn't know it was that big. Yeah, crucify it. Put it to death. Put your old self to death. If something gives you, if you smell or even look like something that, you, that is your flesh or that would cause your flesh to rise up, he says, put it to death. You got to call it out for what it is. For some of us, Crucifying our flesh sounds like, God, you know I want to look at that man or that woman who passed by, but Lord God, I just want to keep my eyes on you. For some of us, it's, God, you know I can adjust, I can manipulate my way to get a better pay or to get a better whatever, but you know I'm just going to walk by the Spirit. For some of us, it looks like, God, you, you know... I know in this moment that they were talking bad about me. And you know what? I'm going to go confront them and I'm going to tell them all their business and I'm going to do that. And God will say, put that to death. Kill it. All right. Show me how to love them then. Your flesh, you can't alter it. You can't bargain with it. You got to put it to death. Verse 23, 
Now we have to, now as Paul said, put something off. Now we have to put something in. In Philippians 4.8, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is why in certain forms of meditation, they're like, empty your mind. No, 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 no. Don't empty your mind. Paul says to put something off. So you know what? I'm going to put off my old self. I'm going to put off my old way of thinking. And what I'm going to put in is what the scripture says I am. This whole empty your mind thing, empty your mind, it's just room for more devils. So now that we've taken something off, he says, put something in you. And Paul says, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is beautiful, whatever is deserving of such thought, whatever is deserving of holiness and righteousness, put those things in you. Put them in you. Because, listen, there are many times, right? And, we, and I always go back to a diet because a diet is just a beautiful thing of, of discipline. Some of us will go cold turkey. I'm not eating no more of this junk food. But yet we're not putting anything in us to not make us want to crave the junk food. Right? We're not putting anything, we're not eating nutritional stuff. We're not, not focusing on, on good nutritional things. We're not doing that. Instead, we're just saying cold turkey. And that's why in two weeks, we break our New Year's resolution. Sitting there with mac and cheese, potatoes, fried chicken. And you're like, you know what? Whatever, I tried. No. The reason why some people cannot make their New Year's resolution is because, yes, they said, I'm going to take this old mindset off, I'm going to take off this old lifestyle, but they never put anything in that spot. You can't say, I want to be better with money, and then say, you know what, I'm going to stop going out to eat, I'm going to cook at home. But then what do you do? You don't buy new groceries to put in your home. So, of course, you're going to go back out. You're going to go back out. You didn't go grocery shopping. And some of us spiritually are the same way. We say, God, I'm putting this off. I'm not doing this anymore. God, make me new. And God's like, cool, I've done that. My spirit's in you. But yet we don't ever go to the word or we don't pray or we don't meditate on the word. We don't fast. We don't do any of that. So we put nothing in and then we struggle with the same sin for years and years and years and years and years. And we're like, God, how come I'm never reaching this point where I'm far from it? It's because Jesus is like, you don't put anything in. So when you're faced in the storm, nothing comes out. So you just go back to what you're comfortable in. This is why gyms make most of their money in January and February. And they can coast for the rest of the year because everyone wants to take off their old self, but they pay for it, and that's so spiritual. We pay for it, and yet we never go. And God is like, if you would just stay in the habit of praying, and seeking my face and meditating, that's you putting it in. You're putting it in, like you're, it's in you, it, it's in you. So guess what? Of course you're not gonna crave and go back to your old ways because what's in you now is satiating you to, for you to look at your old self and say, wow, I can't really, I can't believe I, I settled for that. I can't believe I did that. You know what? Thank you, God, that you brought me from that. And I know who I am. You know what? I can't, hmm, I'm gonna make it real. I can't believe I settled for that guy or girl. Oh my, I dated them for that long? Oh my goodness. Maybe it's because I didn't know my value in Jesus Christ because I didn't know my value in the word. Hello. I know I'm talking to somebody. Y'all don't got to testify. I see all y'all blinks with your mask on. It's okay. The reason why we settled for all these, all this stuff over here is because we didn't know our value in Christ Jesus. Victoria, if you don't mind coming to play. And number three is you got to put something on. So you got to take off the old self, you got to put something in your in yourself, and then you got to put on your new self, and that is the spirit. John 3, 6 says, flesh gives birth to flesh, 
but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So it's, it's a threefold thing. Take off the old self, put in new things, and put on the spirit. Put it on. When you're feeding, when you're meditating and growing in Christ Jesus, you want to put on the things that look like Jesus. And some of us, are we're right here in this place right now. We've gotten to this place. And we want to distance ourselves from there, but yet we're like, all right, well, I don't know what else to do. I don't feel like I'm praying. I don't feel like I'm meditating. I don't, well, yeah, you're going to end up here. But when you get here, you have a decision to make. And then from here, God will start walking with you for, to over here where you're putting on the spirit. And then you could look at your old self and say, wow, look at the difference. And this, and that, this doesn't happen in a day. Some of us think like, oh, it's, it only takes a day and then I'll be good. No. This journey isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. Let me finish this out. We're going to read 25 to 32. It says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. See, the Bible says it right there. Anyone who has been stealing must no longer steal, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. That's why I say the church, we are not a soup kitchen. We're a potluck. You're like, Pastor, are you hungry? You've been talking about a lot about food today. No. See, soup kitchen churches is like, come, we'll feed you, and then you'll leave. Potluck says, I'm bringing, I'm going to serve in my church because I'm bringing something. I'm bringing my what? My three T's, my time, talent, and treasure to the church. This is what I'm going to bring to the table. And I know Pastor Jeremy's going to bring his time, talent, and treasure. And I know they're going to bring their time, talent, and treasure. And we're all going to share in the community. So those who may not have anything can still get something. Those who may come to church and be like, I've got nothing to give. That's okay. We're going to serve you because you're going to get in this attitude of like, you know what? Let me bring my time, talent, and treasure to the church so that I may share in this potluck. We're not a hospital. We're not a soup kitchen. We're a gym and we're a potluck. We grow together. You've got, Ian's got gifts that I could never have. Ian's probably the coolest dude in this building right now. Jordan's got gifts I could never have. Tasha, my wife, has gifts. Wayne, all you guys have gifts that I don't have. But what happens, what's beautiful about the body is that when we all bring it to the table, we can all share. Thank you for bringing your gift. It's helped me grow. Thank you for bringing your gift of encouragement. Thank you for bringing your gift of accountability. Thank you for serving the church. Thank you for praying for the church. Thank you for praying for your neighbor, your sister, your brother. Because when, when we all win, the spirit now wins. That's why when people walk by, it's just like, what is going on in that church? They're small, but there's a sweet spirit about that place. Because everyone's exercising their gifts. Everyone's loving on their neighbor. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others and according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So we know the Holy Spirit is a person and he has a personality. He says, don't grieve him because we can grieve the spirit. We all have done that. We can grieve the spirit. We can say or do something where the Holy Spirit goes, uh, 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 uh. 
He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. It's interesting that he says those things. See, because I believe that as believers, our uniqueness should be apparent in our morality, right? In our mood, our money, our mouth, and our manners. In our mood, our money, our mouth, and our manners. It should be unique. It should be evident in our mood. How are we when we go to work? How are we around our family? And our money, where does our money, do we serve ourselves or are we obedient to God? In our mouth, what are we saying? Are we out there tearing someone down or are we building someone up? Are we holding them accountability and love? Or are we just tell, telling them the truth like a, a with a blunt club? This is the truth. With our manners. Our manners. I know us as Christians, I know we struggle with our manners because there are Christians who say malicious and hateful things in a comment section that they would never say to the person's face. And we tear someone down because they got a different lifestyle than what we believe in. I know it because I see it. I've seen it. I, like, I deleted the Facebook app off of my phone and my iPad, and I go on it very seldom now because I got fed up with the comment section. I got fed up because our manners didn't reflect our morality. Our manners as Christians did not reflect Jesus. When did Jesus ever tell the prostitute, like, you're wicked, get away from me? I've seen in scripture that there are a lot of times like when Jesus like the lady who was called adultery Jesus had every right to pick up a stone and like nail her with it but he didn't and yet we got family members throwing stones at those who don't believe in Jesus ain't that crazy but we talk about this today and I want to tell you guys, like, I see, I preach on this and we talk and we teach on this because we need to change what the outcome is. We need to show them what the spirit in us looks like. We need to be that example. And Paul is saying, he's like, hey, do it with your money, do it with your mouth, do it with your manners, and do it with, what's the other one? Give me the other one. Mood. Sorry. What would it look like if a Christian, if we look like Jesus in that? And how and what we acted. And see, some of us, it's an act. And, in, and Paul's saying, hey, make it a lifestyle. Don't make it an act. Because if you talk like Jesus, everyone will love you. If you love like Jesus, not so. Paul gave instructions for Christian living. And the instruction is to live holy. Put off the old self, put in what God has in you, and start to put on the spirit. Does everyone receive that word today? Amen. If you guys won't mind standing with me. I just want to pray over everyone in this room. Because the question I think we need to start asking ourselves is like, where in my life have I decided to keep my old self on? Where have I made adjustments for the flesh? Where have I become complacent with my own flesh that I've stopped being renewed day by day? Where, where have I stopped? Because Holy Spirit convict me right now to look more and more like you. 
So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray over us and then, and then we'll be dismissed. I know I ran a little over. Father, I pray for every believer in this room, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus that we begin to transform our lives from what we used to look like and what you've called us to. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now that we put off all of our old self, that we don't make adjustments for our fleshly ways, but we crucify our old self today. In the name of Jesus, by the filling of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you call out to us every old habit in us that is not from you, and that you build us to look more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that anytime our flesh rises up, that we put it to the cross and we give it to you. Father, I pray that when we put on the Spirit, Lord God, that you fill us with your word, Lord God. Lord God, for every believer in this room, let every word they read, Lord God, let it be, be seeds planted in good soil, Lord God. Let it be seeds planted in good soil that it produces many fruit, Lord God. Lord God, don't pull us from the storm, but show us everything that's coming off of us from the storm. I just thank you, and we love you, and everyone said amen and amen. Listen, I love you guys so much. Um, we do want to connect with you if you're new. Uh, if you're not new, that's okay. I love seeing each and every one of you guys. Um, number two, let us pray with you. As you guys know, you guys have Tasha and I's number, all right? I'm not even going to go into that. Y'all got to have our number. If you need us to pray with you, call us. Holler at us. We'll pray with you. And then the three is generosity, which you guys know how to do already. So I'm going to pray over us, and we're, we're gone for the day. Holy Spirit, I just love you. Thank you for this family. Thank you that we're able to be the church together. You're faithful to the end. Convict us and grow us and shape us and mold us to your image. Love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Love you guys. See you next week. Hey, invite a friend. Tell them to bring a mask with them. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.